Hello, and thanks for tuning in to Hand to Hand in the Trenches, a missionary story podcast. I'm Caleb Hickam. And I'm Kimberly Croker. And we are your hosts for this episode of Hand to Hand. Hand to Hand is a ministry outreach of Charity Baptist Tabernacle in Amarillo, Texas. And Hand to Hand is a missionary story podcast that tells the true stories of Christians around the world who have hazarded their lives for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Hand to Hand in the Trenches. This is Season 1, Episode 3. We are continuing the story of the Vins family. If you missed Episodes 1 or 2 of this series, we would encourage you to go back and listen to those first. And to everyone else, welcome and hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, in our last episode, Babushka had become involved in the ministry of the Council for Prisoners' Relief. And um, Natasha had been detained by the police while taking part in a youth camp activity. And, of course, Papa was serving a three-year prison sentence at a prison camp in the Ural Mountains. So let's get back to the story. Natasha was in the seventh grade. It was at this time that she got a new teacher, whose name was Sheila. Sheila was a young lady. She had just recently graduated from the university, so she really wasn't that much older than Natasha. When Sheila learned that Natasha was from a Christian family, she determined to change Natasha's mind. But her tactics were much different than any of Natasha's former teachers. Instead of trying to humiliate Natasha or yelling and screaming at her as her other teachers had done, she began to befriend Natasha. When she found out that Natasha liked to read, she began to use recess time to discuss Natasha's favorite books and authors. Slowly, over time, Sheila became a confidant to Natasha. Natasha began to view her as a friend. Well, I can see some danger here. So can I. When Sheila had earned Natasha's trust, she began to talk to Natasha about religion. What you have to understand, Natasha, is that Christianity is the fate of the feeble and spineless of the world. People who are too weak to take care of themselves, so they blame all their problems on God. For them, God is like a crutch to a crippled person. Well, I don't know about that. Natasha didn't know how to refute some of Sheila's arguments. In fact, deep down inside, she began to believe some of them. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. 
And that's not all. Sheila started to use another kind of argument as well. Natasha, don't be silly. Just think what kind of future will you have if you don't turn away from religion. I highly doubt you'll be allowed to go to college. Natasha, you know your parents were only allowed to go to college because the Soviet state needed educated people to replace all those that died in World War II. That mistake would never happen today. No, Natasha, don't you realize that you were denying yourself the possibility of an interesting and creative profession? Why do you want to ruin your life? You're young and smart. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You don't have to follow your parents. You see, the problem is that Natasha had never been saved. She was raised in a Christian home, and she had always believed that her parents were right and that there was a God, but she never had a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, she would face the temptation to reject Christianity once and for all. Natasha didn't admit this out loud, but she began to think deep down inside that Christianity was not for her. Still, she defended Christianity in conversations with Sheila, mostly because she respected all the Christians that she knew and all of her family so much. One of Natasha's friends from school was planning to go to university and specialize in translating English novels into Russian. Natasha thought she might want to do something like that as well, and she was very proficient in English because her mother had been an English teacher. But she knew if she made a personal commitment to the cause of Christ, she would never be allowed to have a profession like that. Natasha's inward turmoil was very great at this time, as she inwardly tried to decide whether she would forsake Christ for her own personal desires. Then, in May of 1969, when Natasha was 16 years old, Papa was finally scheduled to be released from prison. It had been three long years, and they were all anxious to see Papa again. Now, children, I want you all to mind Babushka while I'm away. I'm going to meet your papa and take him money for his train ticket. We will be home in about a week. Yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Papa got Mama's note telling him that she was planning to meet him and also telling him the hour of his scheduled release. He began to suspect that the warden wanted to personally search him before he was released. Now... During Papa's years in prison, he had accumulated a bundle of personal papers that he called his prison archive, and it included letters and notebooks with Bible verses and Christian poems. Papa wanted to take all of these things home with him, but he knew on the day of his release that they would search him, and if they found the papers, they would confiscate them forever. Lord, these papers mean so much to me. Please. Protect them. Allow me to keep them. Please, Lord, give me wisdom to know what to do. Suddenly, Papa had an idea. His prison term would technically end at midnight, and the first few minutes of a new day, he was technically a free man. So, he decided to pack his belongings in advance and go to the main gate a few minutes after midnight. In this way, he would try to leave the camp while the warden was still sleeping. Papa couldn't sleep at all on the night of his release. As midnight got closer and closer, 
His heart pounded faster and faster. He was afraid that his plan wouldn't work. And then it was midnight and time for him to try. When Papa got to the main gate, he realized that the guard was a young man that Papa had been able to witness to. Even though this young man had never been saved, he had been receptive to the gospel and had been kind to Papa. Officer, my prison term ended five minutes ago, and I would like to leave the camp right away. It's awfully early, Vince. Yes, but I'm ready to be a free man. All right, let me check your paperwork. Here you go. Okay, you're a free man. Papa hurried through the gate and walked as fast as he could to find the hut where Mama was staying. When he found it, he explained to her how he had managed to be released before daylight. And together, they praised God for saving his prison archive. And then they began packing for the first train home. When Papa got back to Kiev, he was eager to reestablish his relationship with his children. You have to remember that Papa had been in hiding for three years and had only seen his family on rare occasions. After that, he had served three years in prison, which means his family had rarely seen him in the last six years. He spent time with each child individually and tried to get reacquainted. One evening, he sat down to spend time with Natasha. Natasha, in a year, you'll graduate from high school. What's next? Are you thinking of going to college? You've always liked the medical profession. Are you thinking of studying nursing? I don't know, Papa. I mean, I like nursing, but on the other hand, I studied English for 10 years, and I would like to translate books. You know, there's just such a good department at the Institute of Cultural Development. I'm sure that would be an exciting career, but you know that as a Christian, you'll not be allowed to get a job in that field. Papa, I wanted to talk to you about that ever since you came home. I could just never bring myself to bring it up. I don't want to upset you your first day back. What do you mean, Natasha? You could tell me. I'm your father. I love you. I want to know what's troubling you. Well, I don't want to shock you, but the Christian commitment has been your way of life and Mama's and Babushka's, but I'm just not sure that it's for me. I keep wondering if it's worth losing an opportunity for a good education. Well, of course an education is important, Natasha, but nothing is more important than your relationship with Christ. Where did these doubts come from? I have a teacher at school, Miss Sheila. I respect her very much, and she's been challenging me to rethink everything I've always just accepted. What does she say? She told me that Christianity is the fate of weaklings who cannot overcome the blows of life and they need God for a crutch. Okay, let's talk about that. Natasha, you know more about Christianity than your teachers do. You've been around Christians all your life. Ever since you were a small girl, you've seen Christians under extreme persecution. You've stood there and watched as the Christians in your own church would continue singing and praising God while being viciously and brutally attacked by the police. Tell me, can you call them weaklings? 
You're right. I cannot call most Christians weaklings. But, Pavel, why do you believe in God? Only because Babushka raised you to believe in God? Did you automatically accept your faith just because your parents did? Why is Christ so important to you? What makes Christians think they know everything that everyone else is wrong? Why do they think they have all the answers? A lot of smart people don't believe in God. What makes Christians smarter than writers or even scientists? I know that there is a God. I know he exists. I know Christ is alive because he lives inside me. The universe has a creator. There is lots of scientific evidence to support it. But the most important answer for you is the answer to why Christ is so important to me. When I was alone in prison, when I had no friends, and I could not see my family, I always knew Christ was with me. When I was working on the log crew and in incredible pain with a hernia, no one cared. Christ was with me. In my most difficult moments, I would often think about Christ carrying his cross and dying for me. And then I knew that I could suffer a little for him. In the darkest hours of my life, Jesus was with me. He was a comfort when I had no comforter. In prison, I would often think about how Christ died and suffered on the cross for me. How he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is Jesus that I love. This is the Lord that I serve. He is personal to me and my dearest friend. Natasha thought a lot about what Papa said. She was having a hard time making her decision. She knew if she accepted Christ as her Savior, she would have to give up on her plans for the future, and she just didn't know. In recent years, the tradition had been established that a large youth rally would be held each May in another city. That spring, about 30 people from Natasha's youth group were planning to go, and Papa suggested that Natasha go as well. She agreed, even though she was really mostly just interested in staying up late on the train and visiting with her friends and talking all night long. When they arrived at the meeting place in the forest, they listened as the choir sang and the bands played, and then a young preacher got up to preach. Young people, I want to preach today on the subject of who is Jesus Christ to you. For many young people, Jesus is only a teacher of moral principles. Maybe you consider him to be a famous person in history. Maybe you think he was a good man. But it's so much more than that. The Bible says that Jesus left the glory of heaven, that he came down here to die on the cross. He died on that cross to become a personal Savior for you. Amen, he wants to right. remove your burden of sin and become your best friend today. Suddenly, Natasha knew that the Lord was speaking directly to her. Suddenly, all of her doubts about Christianity seemed so foolish. And suddenly, she knew that she needed Jesus Christ to be her own personal Savior. With tears streaming down her face, Natasha went to the front and fell down on her knees and asked Jesus to save her. After she prayed, she opened her eyes and looked around to see all of her childhood friends were being saved as well. That night, 
Almost all of her youth group was born again. On the train ride home, they stayed up all night fellowshipping in the Lord, excited about their personal salvation. When Natasha arrived home early in the morning, she rushed in to tell Papa the exciting news. Papa, Papa, I'm a Christian. I got saved. Praise the Lord. Natasha, I've been praying for you so much. The whole family got down together and thanked God for his great gift, the gift of salvation. By August of 1970, Papa had only been out of prison a little over a year when he was summoned to the prosecutor's office for questioning. Papa immediately went to meet with the ministers of the church, and they all agreed that his arrest was probably an eventuality, and that he should once again leave Keith and continue working underground among the persecuted churches. After Natasha graduated from high school, she got a job working in the draft department of a design firm. And she stayed busy with her youth group, going to Bible studies and orchestra practice, and even on evangelist trips on occasion to small churches and remote villages. She turned 18 in November of that year. Now, every Tuesday, Natasha's youth group met for Bible study. One Tuesday in December of that year, they all became so interested in the Bible study that it ended later than usual. They left the apartment a few at a time so they would not attract attention from the neighbors. When Natasha got to her street, it was almost 11 o'clock at night. But even from the end of the block, she could see two police cars parked right in front of the house. Great, here it comes. Another house search. I don't know why they always have to bother us at night. Stop. Where are you going? Let me see your documents. I'm going home. I live here. This is my house. When Natasha walked in the house, she saw Babushka standing in the middle of the living room wearing her winter coat, and she was surrounded by police. Natasha, thank goodness you're home. I was worried that they would take me away before you come back. Take you away? Where? Where are they taking you? What are you talking about? Natasha, they are arresting me. Your mom is not back yet. Look at the children. I was afraid that you wouldn't be back and I would have to leave the children alone. Natasha looked over at Lisa and Jane who were sitting on the couch crying. Peter was standing nearby, obviously trying to be strong. Just then, the KGB officer spoke up. All right, hurry up. That's enough goodbyes. Time to go. You're wasting my time. I want to pray with the children before I leave. Oh, great. Now you want to pray? Listen, Grandma, I don't have time for this. How dare you speak to her like that? Babushka is still in charge in her own home. Come on, come on, children. All of you come over here. We're going to pray before Babushka leaves. Babushka and the children all knelt together and prayed for God to protect Babushka. When they finished, Natasha turned to the KGB agent. Babushka has a heart disease. Don't you realize she might have a heart attack in the police car? I'm going with her. I demand that you let me go with her. You're welcome to go to the station with her, but no one's bringing you home. You'll have to travel all the way across the city by yourself in the middle of the night. While they escorted Babushka out to the police car, Natasha walked beside her. As Babushka was fixing to get in the car, she turned back and looked at the children standing in the snow, 
wearing their house slippers with no coats and no boots. Natasha, you have to stay with the children. They need you now. I'll be all right. Our Savior is with me. Don't worry, everything will be okay. Even though Natasha wanted desperately to go with Babushka, she knew that Babushka was right. So they hugged each other, Babushka climbed in the car, and it sped away. Now, Babushka was charged with slander against the Soviet state because of all the petitions that she had helped to write detailing the persecution of Baptists. At her trial, all the persecutors were allowed to testify that they had done nothing wrong, but none of the Baptists were allowed to testify on Babushka's behalf. And I think here in the United States, we would call that a kangaroo court? Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously, Babushka was found guilty, and she was sentenced to three years in prison. Then she was allowed to give a closing remark. Your Honor, you know I have a heart condition. I will probably not survive one year in prison. It is highly unlikely that I will ever leave prison alive. But, Your Honor, I want you and everyone in the court to know that I have no regrets. I am grateful and I feel honored to be able to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not sorry for that I've spoken up on behalf of persecuted Christians. Then everyone was ushered out of the courtroom. All the Christians gathered outside waiting for Babushka to be brought out. Soon, a police car pulled up in front of the building. Babushka was led out and put in the car. The youth group began to sing hymns. Babushka was put in the police car, and it pulled away. She was sent to a prison in Kharkov. As soon as they learned where Babushka was taken, Natasha took two vacation days and, along with a friend from youth group, went to visit Babushka at the prison. She found that Babushka was very frail and sick. Babushka admitted that she had chest pains, especially at night. Babushka, since you're sick, do you have to work? Honey, everyone works in the camp. If I don't work, I'll be transferred to a camp for invalids. The conditions there are extremely terrible. But don't worry, like Paul, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay, so I know this story is moving fast and we're talking about a lot of things, but there's just so much to cover. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, in June of 1971, about 30 young people from the church were being baptized in a small lake in the forest outside of Kiev, and Natasha was one of them. Natasha Vins, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, and do you put your faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, and nothing else? Yes, I believe. Upon your profession of faith in our Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, buried in his likeness, and raised again in the newness of life. Amen. After Natasha was baptized, she wanted to do more in the church, and so the pastor gave her a job as a Sunday school teacher's assistant in one of the children's classes. Also, that summer, 
Natasha decided to apply for nursing school. Training at the nursing school was similar to a junior college and in the Soviet Union was not considered equal to a university degree. So Natasha and her friend from church, whose name was Luba, both decided to apply and hoped that the KGB would not interfere. They were both accepted and ended up being in the same class. Then, in November of 1971, Babushka was transferred to the infamous camp for elderly and invalids. The conditions in this camp were much worse than in Kharkov's camp. Food was scarce and of very poor quality. And even though Babushka suffered from heart disease, the camp doctor was very cruel to her and refused to give her any medication. Besides all that, Babushka was in a barracks full of elderly women who were mostly murderers. Their hearts were so hardened that they didn't want to hear so much as one word about Christ. The barracks was full of fighting and swearing with no rest for Babushka. And to make things even worse, the camp director informed Babushka that if any of her letters had words like God or Jesus Christ or any other religious phrases, that they would be destroyed and that any letters coming to Babushka would be destroyed for the same reason. This left Babushka feeling very downtrodden because she had no Christian fellowship. But the Lord had a very special blessing for Babushka. One evening while eating supper, a young lady in her mid-thirties walked right up to Babushka and hugged her around her neck. Sister Vince, my name is Vera. I'm a Christian too. I was arrested for teaching Bible lessons to children. You don't know me, but I heard you speak at a ladies' seminar in Hart Cove several years ago. The two became close friends and would encourage each other every day with Bible verses that they knew by heart. When the guards realized it, they threatened Vera with solitary confinement if she kept visiting with Babushka. But the two continued their friendship in secret, meeting each other briefly in the yard and quickly whispering a word of encouragement to each other. Meanwhile, when Papa was home visiting the family, he encouraged Natasha to visit Babushka every time she was allowed to. Natasha, your Babushka is permitted only four family visits per year. I cannot go see her, and your mama cannot go to all of them because of the baby. So, I want you to try to go to every visit. Your Babushka needs all the encouragement she can get. You see, Mama had a new baby, little Alex, just about the time that Babushka had been moved to the new camp. So Mama was not able to travel to visit Babushka. So Natasha made it a point to go visit Babushka at every opportunity and would occasionally take the younger children with her. By the beginning of 1973, Natasha only had one semester left before graduating from nursing school. That's when she started having problems. One day, the college invited a special speaker to present an atheistic lecture. All the students and the professors were gathered in the meeting hall, and the lecture went on and on. At first, he spoke in general, talking about just general things. But eventually, 
He started naming names, including Natasha's papa and other preachers that Natasha personally knew. The speaker began slandering the Baptist people and distorting the facts to describe supposedly horrible incidents of Christian brutality. At the end of the lecture, he asked if anyone had questions, and of course, Natasha raised her hand. Sir, I would like to know where you got your facts. You're speaking about my father and other people that I knew very well. I've been in the services when these people were viciously attacked by the police, but I've never seen them fight back. That's enough. I've heard a lot about you, Miss Finns. Even in grade school, you had a reputation as a zealous fanatic. I won't dirty my hands answering your stupid questions. Why don't you let her speak? This is about her own father. She knows better than anyone what really happened. The director got up and ended the questioning, sending all the students back to their classes. But the next day, Natasha was told to report to the director's office. Natasha, where is your father? Is he hiding from prosecution? And isn't it true that your grandmother is also in prison? Your whole family is a disgrace. You really think that we're going to let you graduate? Remember this, Natasha, and never forget it. Religion and medicine are incompatible. If you don't reject your religious beliefs, you will not be allowed to graduate from this school. It was about this time that one of Babushka's visits was scheduled, so Natasha put in a request to miss two days of classes for family situations. These were usually granted without any questions asked, and they always had been before. But this time, her request was refused. What kind of family situation do you have? My grandmother in prison is very sick, and I need to visit her. You mean your grandmother who slanders the Soviet state? No, I will not excuse you from class. I will not authorize your request. Natasha didn't know what to do. A young lady from the church heard about Natasha's problem and made a suggestion. Natasha, I know a nurse who will sign a note excusing you from attending class for health reasons. Even though Natasha knew it wasn't the best idea, she agreed to it. So she got the fake note, and when she got back from her visit, she turned it into the director. So now you're using fake medical excuses? You haven't fooled me, Natasha Vins. I know you took off to go see your criminal grandmother. You claim to be a Christian. You claim that you're a moral person, but then you lie. You're expelled. I warned you would never graduate from this school, but you wouldn't listen. Some of her classmates even tried to stick up for her. Why is Natasha being expelled? Can't you punish her some other way? She's such a good student and she has good grades and there's only three months left before the final exam. The decision has been made. Natasha has already been expelled, and I don't want to hear another word about it. When Natasha got home that day, there was news waiting for her that Papa was back in Kiev. He was hiding at the home of another Christian family. So after dark, Lisa and Natasha left and walked from street to street until they came to the safe house where Papa was staying. Natasha told Papa everything, all about the lecture and how the director had promised that he would find a way to get her expelled from school, and about how religion and medicine were incompatible. And she told him about wanting to go to visit Babushka and about the note. 
She told him how some of her classmates had even admitted that they themselves had done the exact same thing, but they were not punished. Papa just sat and listened to everything that Natasha said, and when she was all finished, he spoke up. Natasha, I understand how much it hurts, and I know the real reason you were expelled is because of your faith and because you belong to our family. But I have to tell you, that's a terrible thing you did. When you got the fake note and lied about your reason for missing class, it's dishonest, and it brings a reproach on the name of Christ. It doesn't matter if your classmates do these things. That's not a good excuse for you. You're responsible to Jesus Christ. You're a Christian. But, Papa, even Christians do these kinds of things. Why, the lady that suggested I take the note is... That's wrong thinking. You're responsible for your actions. No one else. You can't excuse yourself just because other people say it's okay. I, for one, am glad that the Lord didn't let you get away with this. This is a good lesson for you, honey, and I hope you remember it for the rest of your life. Well, that's a pretty good stopping point for this week. Yeah, we really have to stop there anyway. But I want to encourage everyone to come back next week for our fourth and final episode on the Venn's family. Next week we finish up. Yeah, and there's going to be a lot of good stuff. And I think everyone will enjoy it. And there are some big surprises coming up. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there's a big surprise ending. So don't miss it. Yeah, you are not going to see this coming. Exactly. Well, in the meantime, as always, we want to leave you with a reminder. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. First Peter 4, 15-16